Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Out, the podcast. The first podcast to feature me, Jahananan. Uh, I'm Jahananan. Welcome to the podcast. It's me, it's me, Casualty CDG, and I would like to build upon Jahan's legend. This is the first podcast. <laughs> the first the first one ever? That's correct. Uh, well, I am the professional media and movie mastermind, the funhouse, Drew Munhausen, and this is episode 62 of Fresh Out the Podcast. And we, it's been about two weeks since we last recorded. I know back then I said, hey, we're going to talk about the Rings of Power because I knew we were going to not be recording last weekend when the show actually debuted. So we have some of that coming up. Uh, we will get into that. But for now, um, there's some other news things happening right now with D23 ongoing, which... Uh, that, what is that, the new Diablo game? Yeah, as if Diablo would have 23 iterations when it takes them 10 years to get out the next one. Yeah, right. The Mighty Ducks, 23. Um, what is D23? Is that a 23-sided dice? It is not. Um, it is the annual Disney convention where they announce new things for Disney Plus or new theatrical releases. And it's kind of interesting because they have recently started to split their announcements between San Diego Comic-Con. You know, that used to always be the big thing each year, like the Hall H panel, and that's where you announced everything. Well, now Disney will kind of split some announcements for that, and then they save other big ones for D23. So um, there have been some Marvel announcements. There's been lots of Disney Plus announcements or titles or just... <sighs> Ooh, are you going to do your segment now, Drew? Yes. Oh, Watch. cool. I, I got to introduce your segment. Now it's time for Drew's new, brand new segment. Drew's got rants in his pants. <laughs> rants in my pants. It's, it's true. It's true. And where to start with this one, guys? I Let me say, I am a Disney apologist, first and foremost. Like I am one of those. I was a Disney kid growing up. Um, so I've always been a fan. You know, I'm still a big fan of a lot of the Disney classics, uh, especially those ones that came out in the early 90s when Disney was kind of going through their their animation revolution, things like The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, so on. Like, I have a lot of nostalgia for those. I'm a fan of those. And even back when they started to remake all of their live action, uh, you know, adaptations of their animated films, like when The Jungle Book came out, I thought The Jungle Book was pretty good. Right, Jungle like, Book actually, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It was good, and then, um, and then it's, there's just been kind of diminishing returns, right? Like the Beauty and the Beast one, uh, I didn't think was that bad at the time, but we I didn't just really need a live action version of a girl having sex with a dog because a teapot told her to. <laughs> Definitely one way to interpret that movie. Um, the Stockholm Syndrome movie. There's yeah. been the guy. Rick the Aladdin movie. There's been the. I actually haven't seen the Mulan uh, movie. Oh there was that the Aladdin the Lion movie King. Was so unwatchably bad. Which one? Aladdin. And yeah, Aladdin. Aladdin. Okay. As soon as they introduced, uh, what was it? They introduced like a, a, a new character, and there was new musical numbers uh, that did not need to happen. It's been a while. And then on the Mulan movie, they took out all the musical numbers and took out Mushu, the talking dragon. And the Lion King movie is, to me, the live action, live action in air quotes, because obviously it is all animated still. Yeah, it's a CG um, sort of pseudo live action. I, I and it's kind of an atrocity, movie, to be so honest. But still, all of these, like, a lot of the critic community has been really down on these. For me, less so. Like, I still am like, ah, you know, sure, why not? Until September 8th. Yeah, September 8th. Disney Plus Day. This is the, you know, it's been now dubbed Disney Plus Day annually. But they dump a few things on Disney Plus and try to make you excited about it. And, uh, there was a I know what you live watched. action adaptation. I know what you watched. Of Pinocchio. Yes, there is. 
directed by Bobby Z, Robert Zemeckis himself. Yes, the same man who directed Castaway, Forrest Gump, Back to the Future, and Part 2 and Part 3. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Some some movies, they say Forrest Gump. Some movies that have gone down in history that are some of the most famous movies of all time. Some of the greatest movies of all time. And Zemeckis' recent output has been pretty widely regarded as not good. This Pinocchio movie, it's it has retroactively somehow made me despise all of the live-action Disney remakes that have come out before it. Here, here. It's that bad. It's that bad. I didn't uh, watch it because it looked terrible. I saw a trailer recently. It looked so bad. It's worse than terrible. It's it's just it's really strange, Jahan, because there's there's this weird part of them that's really trying to adhere to the original and just truly straight up remaking the original, shot for shot in a way. And even uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt voices Jiminy Cricket in the film, and he is really just trying to do an impression of the voice of Jiminy Cricket from the past. And so instead of him doing something new or something that's his own, it's just like a bad impression the whole time. <laughs> and it's it's distracting, it's to be funny. honest with you. And and there's some things, but then like towards the end, it takes some swerves and it tries to change some things from the original. It ends really abruptly and terribly. I mean, the ending is is really bad. And we all know the ending to Pinocchio. Like you think you know, hey, it comes a real boy. It's Pinocchio, and they they take some strange liberties with that and wrap it up quickly. You know, Tom Hanks is in this in this movie is Geppetto, and and he's just miscast. He's miscast. He's just doing an accent and wearing a, a bad wig and and mustache and it's obviously voice, you know, acting. Obviously acting just, in front of a green screen the whole time. And it just looks like Tom Hanks the entire time with a bad wig. And it just sort of sounds like a bad Tom Hanks the whole time. There, there's not much depth to that I or believe, to the performance or anything. I believe I said it not that long ago in, a, in one of our podcasts, but I love Tom Hanks. But I'm kind of Tom Hanks out, man. Kind of, I've seen he's been in too much. Tom Hanks is probably one of, if not the... For me, like my favorite actor, he's of all great. Time. I love him. He is in multiple of my favorite movies of all time, and I find him to be incredible. Now that he's in, you know, he's getting older, and a lot of the movies he's doing a lot of supporting roles that are kind of weird characters and things. Like I think he's just reached that point where he says, "I've got two Oscars. I can kind of do whatever I want and just do yeah. fun accents or you know that kind of thing, and, and still lead a movie if he wants to." Uh, yeah, he it's it's in you know he's in this which he has a history with Robert Zemeckis. He was in Forrest Gump and he was in Castaway. They have a history and it, it really does kind of seem like Zemeckis was like, hey, can you do me a favor and be Geppetto in this movie to give it a little bit more weight of some sort? But uh, uh, the thing is that this it's like literally the the animation in it, other than than Tom Hanks, pretty much the whole movie is animated. Figaro, his cat, an animated cat. It's goldfish, an animated goldfish. All of the donkeys in the donkey scene, animated donkeys. There's not a single live-action thing. The puppet shows that the Pinocchio is a part of, it'd be nice if there were real puppets, that even if Pinocchio was CG, if he was interacting with real puppets, they're all bad CG. It's it's all... It's it's terrible. This movie's a monstrosity. It's 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 garbage. And uh, I knew we were headed for the trash can in the first act. Whenever all the cuckoo clocks were popping out, and it was like Woody from Toy Story on one cuckoo clock, and Cars on one cuckoo clock, uh, and Disney princesses on one cuckoo clock, and it was just to me was just sucking its own ass right from the get go. Like, absolutely, look at, just look at all the Disney like, references we can shove in. Like Geppetto is self-aware. The of entire the, world. the entire Disney board of directors bukkake this movie. Is that what you're telling yes. me? All right, hundred percent. The clock scene that Gary's referring to just reeks of Disney smelling their own farts and enjoying it. Like it's there's a, a Donald Duck clock, there's a Roger Rabbit clock, there's a Toy Story clock, there's a Lion King clock. There's, I mean, there's a Snow White clock, and it's not and like don't these things are look like a lion. Where it's kind of cool, like, oh, that's like a Lion King reference. It's like straight up Woody comes out riding on Bullseye, 
and it's not a little wooden sculpture of Woody. It's like a full CG no rendering. No subtlety. That's exactly right. And it's right. no subtlety for every single reference back to back to back, which and takes it. It's not a reference at that point, right? Because there's no subtlety. It's just yeah. crammed in your stupid face. And it's not like these are shown in the background. It pans over and shows them, and then we'll do another close-up shot on it to make sure, like, did you see this? Look at this. I mean, it is in your face. It's it's egregious. It it's really kind is. of assault- insulting to the audience, man. That's it, it is. And so then that leads me into so that comes out Thursday, um, and then that leads right into D twenty three, where Disney is now announcing all of this crap. Like, here's the thing. They've had a few trailers. They've also had a lot of logos they're just showing. Like, one of them was Mufasa, the Lion yeah. King. Because they're doing a, quote, live-action Lion King prequel about Mufasa. And all they did was show the title for it. And it's just yeah. like... I've got a spoiler alert for you guys. He actually die his brother kills him in the second <laughs> act with, like, a buffalo stampede. So you could probably skip that movie. Uh, he falls in love, right? And they have a kid named Simba. So that that too. It's just after watching this terrible Pinocchio movie, which then is retroactively making me sour on all these past remakes, now you're going to announce a bunch more that are coming out, and I'm supposed to be excited about these? Just no thank you. Um, no, no thank you're you. not, because you're a 33-year-old man, and that's Pinocchio and a Mufasa movie. You're not supposed to be excited about it. And ooh, here's here's a poster for Peter Pan and Wendy. And ooh, here's a trailer for Disenchanted. And ooh, here's a trailer for the live-action Little Mermaid movie, which I just am watching these now going, that's going to be poop, and that's going to be poop, and that's going to be poop, because Pinocchio was poop, and everything that's come before it's poop, so why am I supposed to expect that this new thing that's coming out isn't going to be poop? Oh yeah, it's going to be poop. Imagine imagine the way that you feel, except I feel that way about a whole lot of the recent Marvel projects, too. I feel like Marvel is getting poopier and poopier, uh, and I feel like Disney's side is getting more and more poopy. So the only thing I'm excited for right now on the Disney front is Star Wars stuff. Uh, because there's just a lot of poopy poop going around. Which is ironic in a way because there hasn't been a Star Wars movie, theatrically released movie in theaters since 2019. There's probably not going to be another one until at least 2024. Which means we're going to have been, you know, at, at the very least five years in between theatrical releases. What Luckily, movie? the Disney Plus shows are going strong. Do we know what movie? We don't. Okay. We don't know. We don't, we don't even know. They've released, they've announced some early, and now it sounds like some of those are standing still. They didn't make any new film announcements. It's all about the shows, which is fine. You know, we got a new trailer for Mandalorian. I'm really happy three. with the Star Wars shows. So the that's shows okay have with been me. better than any of the movies. The Mandalorian so. has been outstanding. <laughs> if you can keep this kind of production quality on the shows, then you don't need to, to poop out a movie every year or two. You know, you can take your time and, and, and really grow your, your, your content. Star Wars has the background for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to sit here and talk bad about Star Wars at the moment because, like, the Mandalorian trailer looked pretty good. You know, it looked like more Mandalorian, which I'm definitely happy to get. There were some cool shots in it to get excited it about. Looks good, yeah. A- Andor looks good. Andor um, looks dope. They've got more coming out with their on their animated slate that I think people are excited about. Like, there's there's things there. And then on the Marvel side, uh, they had a couple announcements. You know, they they showed they released the trailer for Secret Invasion finally. Um, which to me looks fine. You know, it's, it's, I like the secret invasion comic event where it was scrolls that had, you know, infiltrated the Avengers and had taken over some of those roles. And it was really all about who is, who isn't. And the show looks like it maybe has a little bit of that, but it really seems more of like just a scroll invasion of earth and Nick Fury and is trying to kind of get to the bottom of it. It didn't look like it's going to be an Avengers focused story by any means which i'm okay with uh i i definitely would like i I wonder when they're gonna get back to the avengers you know what i mean because there's gonna be a new team at some point and they're building to it and you know i look forward to it but i'm okay with them not being involved in the scroll invasion i liked what i saw uh in the trailer 
it wasn't like, holy crap, I can't wait, but it was, I was like, that could be really good. This type of narrative event is really good for bringing the team together and the end of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, right, everyone's going to wind up being secret scroll or fighting scroll, and by the end of it, there's going to need to be a team to fight the alien invasion, or there's going to be a team of heroes who aren't aliens the whole time. Yeah, uh, I do like that the seeds were planted uh, for this along the way through the Marvel movies. So we've been wanting to see this story come to fruition. Uh, I'm just surprised that it's going to be a show. Uh, I thought it was going to be a movie. I thought it would be a great pivotal point for a series of movies, right? Two or three movies even for the Secret Invasion. But uh, one show is a strange choice. Uh, especially when they didn't use the multiverse as a world-building tool either. I just, I don't know, the only world-building tool they've really introduced is Kamala Khan being a mutant. Um, other than that, they're really throwing a lot of these these tools in the by the wayside, I think. Yeah, and I, I've mentioned stuff about that before, like, I wish they would do more. Like, I feel like they did an okay job with the blip, like, affecting the world, but they could have done more. And yeah, you're right, like, they could do more with these events happening and affecting these multiverses could be affecting like six or seven films right but instead it's almost already over and they're pushing secret over over before it began like and they i i just don't they made some weird choices recently and it's just not i'm not really vibing with some of the marvel decisions they've been they've been different They, they everything has a different feel than it did earlier on and like it's hard to keep a monster like this moving with the same you know, vigor and and quality, I guess, but, like, I don't know, man, take a breather, like, maybe slow down, reevaluate, you know, uh, I think they need to bring everything back down, man, I think, like, they could really save it with, like, Young Avengers, but that's all speculation, uh, I would hope that the Secret Invasion show would feed into the, the Marvel's, um, movie maybe that's where it's going but i don't know probably a good chance that it does considering the scrolls were featured heavily in captain marvel and i mean it makes sense and when she's off world she's dealing with all of that uh off screen so now we get to finally see it blah 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 uh but yeah i thought the trailer looked pretty good and then they did show off the roster for the thunderbolts movie so our first look at that which um, that was surprisingly cool, man. I looked at that image for a while, and I was like, yo, is that the villain from Ant-Man? Yeah. Yeah, I was I was looking at it, too, and I thought it was very smart of them, because their front and center in the group is Florence Pugh as Yelena. And so, which makes sense, right? She's a young, rising star who's pretty popular. Put her at the front and center. You're bringing back David Harbour from, in his role from Black Widow, which again Perfect. is smart because he was a highlight of that movie, and he's in one of the other most popular TV shows on Earth in Stranger Things. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, bring him back and put him in this. Then you get, uh, of course, U.S. Agent. A few surprises with Ghost. You know that was unexpected for me. So happy, uh, smart, to, smart to bring in Winter Soldier because he's a, a staple of the MCU at this point. So bring back, you know, kind of a veteran of these series and put him in there. And then Taskmaster was a little bit less surprising. Uh, and, and I think that there are some that that are yet to be announced. You know, they showed that, but I wouldn't be surprised Who? if Baron Zemo and Abomination are, are in this to some degree. Who was on the far left wearing the glasses? I believe that was Contessa, that that was Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character. Okay. I didn't recognize her at first either, but I saw some other reports saying that's who it was, so I'm I'm gonna go with that. My biggest like happiness from the Thunderbolts reveal was Ghost. I thought she was a really cool villain. I uh, like the actress, and I'm glad they brought her back. Cause like I don't know, I hate it when if the character doesn't die, like you got to bring it back in some capacity or at least mention them, especially when you do this like 30 movie and 12 TV show continuum. Mention them. So I just well, wanted to see it. And Ant-Man and the Wasp is kind of a weird movie as far as its place in the MCU because in one way it's a pretty pivotal movie to the MCU because it introduces the quantum realm, which is what leads them to do time travel in in Endgame. But really other than that, you know, not that that's a small detail, but other than that, it's a pretty contained smaller MCU story. And um, 
So the fact that Ghost and I'm not sure of the actress's name. I don't have it in front of me, but the fact that she's getting a chance to come back is is pretty cool. I love then... seeing. Uh, for me, it was David Harbor, and just imagining how that character is going to riff and interact with the other members of that team. Like you know, Taskmaster's not going to have it. Taskmaster's not going to respond. But U.S. Agent, some of their banter is for sure going to be hilarious. And and same thing for Bucky, I would think. Uh, I, I just think he's a great placement on that team to really keep the comedic spirit alive. I agree. So. And then there have been some other announcements that were kind of... I feel like they, they weren't getting a bunch of, uh, you know, trumpets blowing, announcing, you know, their arrival. Because uh, one thing that is important that was announced at D23 is that Matt Shackman uh, was announced as the director of the Fantastic Four movie. This was originally announced when, it, when the movie was very first announced a while back. It was said it was going to be John Watts who directed the three MCU Spider-Man movies, um, but I, you know, within the past year he had walked away from the project. Which I get it; he's done a bunch of Spider-Man movies, probably needs a break. Um, but Matt Shackman directed WandaVision for Disney Plus, directed all the episodes of WandaVision, uh, and is is has a lot of experience with a lot of good TV shows. You know, he's directed episodes of Game of Thrones. He's been heavily involved in It's Always Sunny. So, you know, and then, of course, WandaVision was very well received. So it kind of makes sense that he would be somebody that gets, you know, a promotion to the next big MCU franchise that's coming down the line. But I thought that was interesting. I felt like it didn't get um, as much recognition, probably because it's not like there's a trailer attached with it or a big image like with Thunderbolts or Secret Invasion. You know, and it's worth noting, too, just talking about D23 with a lot of these announcements and things I was talking about, like Peter Pan and Wendy and Mufasa and even uh, Ironheart, the MCU series. A lot of these things had footage shown at D23 that hasn't been released to the public. So that's what I'm saying. You know, just wanted to make sure that that's clear, even because I'm talking about how all they've released is some logos or names or titles, title cards. Um, if you were there, you got to see more. But from a consumer on the outside, it's it, to me, it's all just a little bit like anticlimactic, I guess. Yeah. Like, uh, Peter Pan and Wendy. That was one of the ones like I, I saw it and I was like, cool. And I was like, or is it? Because I think I like Peter Pan. But then the past Peter Pan movie had Blackbeard and it was really bad. And like the cartoon was pretty cool as a kid. And, like, there's been some pan TV shows that were, like, really, really bad along the way. Um, But besides Hook, I mean, Hook is pivotal, but if it's not Hook, which it's not going to be Hook, then it's not going to be good. And there's no way you beat Robin Williams, Peter Pan. Get out of my face. The pan extended universe, if you will, is just kind of odd. I believe the Peter Pan character is in the public domain. So, like, a lot of. What part is weird about a forever child? Flying into the orphanage, abducting children, and flying them to the imaginary place with have no food and get captured by pirates. What part of that is weird to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all definitely very odd. The Pan movie with Hugh Jackman that you were referring to earlier, you know, is not a Disney produ- production. And man, that movie's really bad. Really bad. Yeah, it is. I was it's, a, it's a pretty big miss. This, I'm sure, you know, it's going to be more in line with the Disney animated movie. I'm not sure if this one's a direct remake of it or just ties into the original. I'm not really sure what they're doing. All I know is that Jude Law plays Captain Hook in it. So is Captain Hook going to be Hot Hook? Is he going to be Hot Captain Hook? Uh, I mean, I'm asking y'all. I don't think so. But that was a rhetorical question. Pretty, uh, I mean, uh, sure. Is is Captain Hook not traditionally hot? Yeah, man. There's nothing like a curly mustache that does it for me. Uh, Bring me hat. Peter Pan. Okay, okay, Hook. I'm a Oh, so anyway, you know, uh, apologies if I don't sound overly excited about a lot of these announcements, but truly, it's all Pinocchio's fault. It's all, yeah. Pinocchio's well, that was a segment we like to call Drew Has Rants in His Pants. Thank you, Drew. Uh, oh, goodness. What, would you, what do you, would you say Pinocchio is certified fresh out the box or no? No. <laughs> it's, the first, it's the first film I've legitimately considered giving zero stars out of five. Wow, that's yeah. pretty good. 
Um, yeah, I mean, they did a couple other announcements, too. Uh, like, I don't know, I guess it seems like it's more of an insider event anyways, like a press event. It's not necessarily, I don't know, it's not Comic-Con by any means. But there's a, there's a big Disney fandom, and they also do things like they have apparently a Disney legend induction ceremony where like they, they have do, a hall yeah, of fame they do this every year uh what's his name josh gad is officially a disney legend now uh right josh gad that's his name yes yeah that's, that's his name and then they also showed off a new game that they're doing in conjunction with ravensburg uh disney lore lorcana which is a disney tcg that's meant to compete with Magic the Gathering. Uh, oh, that sounds pretty sick, though. It does sound sick. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. The cards look legit. Um, it seems like they do more of the mana system from Hearthstone, where it's just you know mana, you just accrue it over turns. You don't actually have to build it into your deck. Uh, but it has, on Board Game Geek... Uh, they might have changed it since I looked last. It was sit, yeah. It looks like the rating disappeared. Maybe they got in trouble. Uh, it was sitting like a five point six on Board Game Geek. Magic Gathering's a seven point six, but I mean five point six isn't awful on Board Game Geek because they are so they're very harsh critics, uh, very much so. I say anything above a six is worth playing uh, on Board Game Geek. So, I don't know. It's below a six, but it, the cards looked pretty cool. I don't know if you've heard of Disney Lorica, but I think it was something that is coming from, like, within the park. Like, I think they've been kind of, like, beta testing it in the park with, like, this trading card game that you can participate in if you ask. Uh, you go around and battle people. But, yeah, Lorica. Or Lorcana, sorry. This makes way more sense. I'm sorry. I I got really distracted. I'm sorry, Jahan, because I'm okay. just going to admit that I was not listening to you I, at all. I um, noticed. <laughs> I got distracted because you started, you mentioned Josh Gad getting inducted into the Disney Legends 2022 class, or, you know, Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's where I noticed I lost you, and I was very confused. I was like, why did that make him stop listening to me? Well, I, well, I was looking at the other list of... Uh, of inductees there's always a lot of imagineers or kind of behind the scenes people so that's normal um it looks like along with josh gad a lot of the the frozen cast was inducted you got adina menzel kristen bell uh jonathan groff so they were all inducted as well but i saw that ellen pompeo was inducted and i was sitting here going you know why has she why is she inducted uh she's you know the star of Grey's anatomy for like a thousand years uh, at this point, but I forgot that's an ABC show, so it makes sense because ABC is on my weird. TV. But I was, that's I was funny. very thoroughly confused looking at this as to how she fit into this. Is she Legends Gray, Doctor Gray? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the I know the titular Doctor Meredith Gray. That's funny. <laughs> you said titular. <laughs> yeah, you did. I wouldn't describe people like that. It's rude. Chadwick Boseman was also uh, part Aww. of this class. Anthony Anderson was in it, which yeah, he's done a lot of ABC television television Bro, shows as well. I watched uh, like the newer Black Panther trailer, and I didn't think I was gonna, but I cried again when they showed Chadwick. I was like, "No, I need to get over this." Yeah, Jahan, there are some it. things some I things you don't have from, to admit on Mike. I watched a clip from one of the scary movies movies recently and it was Anthony Anderson and Kevin Hart doing their classic bit and I forgot that it was both of them before they made it big I saw it and was like oh I remember Anthony Anderson but I forgot that was Kevin Hart with him doing that bit in all those movies good for those guys uh, okay well, I think that's good on the Disney front we didn't, um, I we didn't mention transition into one thing before Oh, was there anything else? Did I miss anything? Yeah, so uh, a couple of things that I... I mean, we didn't mention a lot of it, probably because you didn't care. But, you oh, know, Hocus boy, Pocus 2. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I watched that trailer. I was excited like, for it. I'm less excited for it after the trailer, but I'll still watch it. I'm it sure. was a made-for-TV movie. Like, what did you expect from a sequel? Hocus Pocus is a great movie. Uh, but, yeah, and then... Willow. Yeah, it was a great movie 30 years ago. 
Actually, I think it was a box office bomb at the time. Maybe. <laughs> but it, it's been good since. I don't know. Uh, I watch it every year. It's still part of part of Halloween. Um, Willow looked actually pretty damn good, I thought. I don't know if you saw the trailer for that. Um, Warwick Davis returns as Willow, leading a younger band uh, of heroes. The titular character. The titular character. He's so titular. Uh, that he has returned. They are, he's leading a young group of heroes against the forces of evil. Uh, it looks pretty good, man. It looks the uh, the special effects look great. Um, it looks like they're really getting the budget. And I feel like there was other things that I was excited about seeing, but that'll do. That'll do. Oh yeah, Loki season two uh, looks. The trailer looked really dope. Before we dive into Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, I just wanted to shout out a new movie that is in theaters this weekend. Um, it is, has become one of my favorite movies of the year so far after seeing it. And it is called Barbarian. And the biggest recommendation I can give for this movie, it is, it is a horror movie, um, kind of more of a horror comedy at times. Uh, directed by Zach Kreger, who's one of the guys from The Whitest Kids You Know. Um, so he, you know, was part of that group for a while. He was one of the co-directors of Miss March, uh, along with Trevor Moore, rest in peace. And so, you know, he was, he's was he been heavily involved with Whitest Kids You Know, and he directed... Yeah, he's, uh, I was going to say, he's not just part of it, he's sort of the second head of it after Trevor. They were, they were sort of the guys. Mm-hmm. So he directed this movie called Barbarian. And, guys, this movie is incredible. It stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, uh, of Pennywise fame, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long is in this movie as well. And all I will say about it is the premise is a girl arrives at an Airbnb that she rented out in Detroit... That when she gets there, there's somebody already there because it was double booked. And then there's just a series of escalating events. There may be secret rooms found in the basement, and then things get crazier from there. And that's all I want to say because this is one of those movies that absolutely, the less you know, the better. Don't watch any trailers. Don't read any reviews. Don't read anything about it. Just go see it. It is one of the most bonkers and fun theater experiences I've had in a long time because this movie is just absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. It looks really good. Well, I mean, you and Sean both talked about it and just a couple frames. I don't know. People seem excited about it. I think I would like it. Uh, And I will watch anything with Justin Long in it, so... He, yes, and I don't even want to say who his character is or how things are introduced because it's just... The way that this movie escalates and then de-escalates its tension is is I will kind of be incredible. Surprised if Justin Long is playing anything other than Justin Long. Uh, I have one question before I see it, though. I need to know, just so that I'll actually watch it. I'll watch it as long as it's not secretly Tusk Part Two. It is not okay. secretly Tusk Part 2, I, and I don't believe Kevin Smith had anything to do with the making of this film. Yeah. So, Because, oh my god, like, I'm glad I watched Tusk, but that movie sticks with me. I so. will say that Tusk and Barbarian might make for a good double bill if you wanted to do that, <laughs> um, but Barbarian is far and away a much better movie, Uh much better executed. The Justin Long long movie marathon. Oh man. Barbarian's good. I just wanted to shout it out because this is another one of the things between this and another movie I saw this week, which I'll talk about that one next week. Uh, It's just, I've seen some good movies that I really liked. And then Pinocchio was so (laughs) bad. And then we got all these other Disney properties shoved down our throat over the weekend that just, I, I was so unenthusiastic because between Pinocchio and the vomiting of CGI that seems to be part of every Disney prop pretty now, it just 
it was nice to see some real movies with practical effects and things that were cool and fun and unexpected. Let uh, me so that's, uh, let me see from the dark hole that is the future of Disney and remind you about something we have right now in our hands. We've been able to put our eyeballs on the first three episodes of Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. I didn't know we were doing these this episode. I'm excited to talk about what are you, uh What are your thoughts then, Jahan? Why don't you kick it off? You've seen all three. I've seen, seen all three. three. Oh. Drew has seen all three. Uh, so we're all tied for first place. So, you know, there's a lot of that beginning of a show, getting to know you in the first uh, in the first episode. You gotta uh, and set up some exposition, right? A lot, lot of exposition. Uh, the second episode, a little bit more, but some story movement. Third episode, I felt things really started to take off uh, with the story events. So far, I like it. Um, it's fun, because, like, I have some Tolkien knowledge uh, I'm definitely I'm not one of those historians or anything like that I don't know I didn't read the Cimmerillion I tried <laughs> it's it's a hard read um, I've heard that it's it's a tough one I've it's heard that. it it reads like the Bible it's very it's like scripture it's it's and it kind of is scripture uh, just you know based on the Middle Earth and that kind of lore but you know, from like the video games, from the cartoons, from everything I've ever seen, from the books I have read, uh, I, I know a bit. And the lore that they're putting in, they're sprinkling around right now. Uh, I'm pretty excited about where it's going. They really are, you know, seeing. I keep forgetting the rings aren't a thing yet. I keep forgetting that someone's gonna make them in front of us. Uh, I'm very excited for that. So far, so good. No real complaints, but it's funny. Me and my mom, we were watching, I think it was the first episode. We're like, man, everyone's, like, really ugly. Like, like there's no good-looking people. Uh, all the way up until you get to uh, the that village with the elf and his human uh, his human woman that he's in love with. Um, and it's like, oh, the first two hot people in the entire show. <laughs> Everyone else is just so damn pug ugly, uh, but yeah, that was. That. I uh, on your review of the show, I couldn't disagree more. I thought the first episode, of course, it set up exposition. I thought it was kind of cool, and then the second episode, I was like, oh, but yeah, I'm in. Like, there's this Elrod uh, goes to the Dwarven kingdoms. The Dwarven kingdoms. Oh, that was so cool. Underground subterranean waterfalls, jungle bridges, elevators. They have this awesome dwarven, uh, you know, hit a stone until you can't constitution battle, uh, which all of that stuff to me is so, you know, classic fantasy. And that's the kind of stuff that Lord of the Rings can have that Game of Thrones doesn't have. And that's that kind of fun stuff I signed up to see. The first episode, seeing Galadriel take down the, the, the mountain troll or the snow troll was awesome. That's what I meant oh, to yeah. see, this band of elves just tearing stuff up. But then at the third episode, we've totally taken these back steps where her entire elf army is gone. She doesn't have those cool characters anymore. They're still introducing new characters, new human characters, uh, and more, you know, contingent storylines we're going to have to pay attention to. Uh, Gandalf or Saruman, but most certainly Gandalf has already been introduced. He's just sitting there. We all know it's Gandalf. Can we do something with this plot instead of following and introducing four more characters? Let's 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 go with the stories we've got. There's some really cool stuff there, but I honestly feel like every episode might make this show a little bit worse than the way it started. <laughs> um, we're only three in. Only three in. It's early to, early to call it, but I liked I liked one and two, and three was a whole lot of lip flapping. What about you, Drew? I think, and this isn't the first time that this has happened, where I kind of fall somewhere in the middle of both of you, um, because I kind of agree with Gary in the sense that I thought the first episode was pretty solid. I thought the second episode was really good. And then to me, the third episode took a step back, but I'm probably not as negative on the third one as Gary. But I knew as soon as I went to watch the third one and I saw 70 minutes, I went, oh boy, you know, let's let's try this. But it's... You know, it's it's a lot of uh, setting the stage. I think that every episode has had at least one uh -oh. set piece. 
or or storyline that I'm like particularly interested in. You know, Gary touched on the Dwarven City in the second episode, which that's really the first big, other than some of the characters. Obviously, you've got Galadriel and Elrond, but you know, Casa Doom was was the setting of that, and that's you know we know that that's the Mines of Moria. That's the the setting for that spot in the Fellowship of the Ring, and. You know, we all we've seen on screen are the ruins of Khazad Doom and what it becomes. So to see it in its heyday when it's, you know, operating at full force and how beautiful it was and and how these dwarves operate, I, I thought that was incredible. Like that's the type of stuff that I'm I'm here for that I want to see and that kind of lore I thought was really cool. Um, but yeah, it's just there's a lot of characters being introduced. There's a lot I I don't. You know, it, it's the, it's what happens in these high fantasy shows when they start out. So yeah. A lot of characters with weird names that I can't remember, and I'm trying to kind of keep track. Um, I couldn't agree with y'all's uh, dwarf stronghold bit enough. Uh, it was I awesome. Love the dwarves, and they're like Lord of the Rings dwarves instead of Hobbit. Dwarves. We got to see their I, ladies. I loved them. We got to see dwarven ladies. We got to see dwarves in awesome armor with their beards sticking out from underneath the armor. Um, even though dwarves and halflings are both small people, you could tell the difference from a mile away of what a dwarf is versus a halfling. I thought they did a great job with the halflings, uh, with their makeup being so cheery and their, their cheeks being so bright, the acorns in the hair and all the, the nature-inspired clothing. You like the halflings. You love the halflings. I did not man. think you were going to. I also really enjoy the nomadic beginnings of the halflings. The, the Harfoots. The Harfoots, yeah, it's here. really cool. Uh, before they found their safety in the Shire, they they're secretive nomads, which is really cool and interesting. Um, and also, so you said that's Gandalf. Do you and know it that? Could be Saruman, right? But See, I I thought it might be a wizard. Uh, I wasn't sure which I, one, but it also might I'm not with you, be. Jahan. I hadn't put that it, maybe it was Gandalf, but I thought you know a wizard of some sort. It guys, could be one of the two they don't talk about guys, too. Guys, guys, come on, don't. Come on, don't you know that there's only two blue wizards, one brown wizard, one gray wizard, and one white wizard on Middle-earth at any time? Yeah. And that's why Gandalf becoming Gandalf the White was such a big pivotal moment, because Saruman was already the White, so Gandalf becoming the White is, like, impossible? He became, like, a living <laughs> god? You guys? Yeah, it could, be, it could be one of the blues, um... But it's not because the blues are twins. The blues are uh, twins? Okay. Yep, and it's not Radagast. But as far as I know, Gandalf was not around for the forging Gandalf, of the rings. Gandalf is like thousands of years old. Yeah, that's fair. Remember, I mean, because they're, they're not they're human. Not people, yeah, right? they're, they're, not, they're angels, not human, essentially. It's not a human wizard who went to a college yeah. to learn how to read books and cast magic. Uh, what are they the called, Valinor or something? Yes, they have a set number of wizards, and they're basically angels. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're sort of uh, a living god's tool on the planet. For anyone listening that didn't know that, that's fine. It's okay that you didn't know that. They don't talk about it in any of the movies, no, really. No, they, they don't. But... Uh, they, they never, they literally never talk about the, the two blue wizards. Um, but this is Gandalf. I'll I, I put money on this. As and going you on. also and might notice, uh, for those of you who don't know a lot, Morgath, the one they keep talking about, is essentially Satan. All right, instead, like just think Satan, you got it. Uh, it's not too bad, but yeah. Um, I thought they made it pretty clear that it was Gandalf, in my opinion, because he landed with the halflings. So it describes Fair. why he has that relationship with Bilbo and Frodo going into the future. Uh, one of the first things he did to interact with them was play with the fireflies and see that, and he was mesmerized by the sort of fireworks they had. And we all know Gandalf has his love for fireworks. And so to me, you're seeing all these really uh, obvious intro signs to this is the Gandalf you know and love. It, um, it very it well just, might be. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, to me, that's the way I'm reading it. I also thought it could be, but I was like, would they just put, I don't know, man, like, it's a chance to show other characters, but it is cool in these, like, long-lived characters to see them in the beginning. Uh, that's kind of actually another funny thing. So, they're doing all these really fast re uh, fast forwards, where it's like, Galadriel, and it's like, 500 years later, 1,000 years later, and, like, they're doing all like that, but then they introduce a halfling character and some humans, and I'm like, oh, I guess they're done fast-forwarding, because if they yeah. do it one more time, <laughs> they right. all die. So yeah, I guess this is slam the brakes on the timeline. Once they started introducing mortals, I was like, oh, okay, this is the time we're doing things. I'm so glad you said that. That reminds me of the, the conversation Elrond had with Balin 
Um, and I loved that. Why is Balin pissed off at his friend? Why Elrond can't figure it out? Because elves are thousands of years old. And it's been 30 years, and he missed Balin's marriage, and he missed him having kids, and he missed all of their events. So no wonder Balin's pissed off. Dwarves live, like, maybe 200 years. I yeah, think. Elrond's like, Elrond's like so, oh, my bad, I was reading. <laughs> yeah, something. right? You just, you just missed, like, a tenth of his life because you were at a meeting. Uh, so I totally get it. Uh, and I thought that was a cool thing to make sure that they put back into the plot to remind you, you know, how old these characters are and what kind of different restraints that puts on friendships. Uh, I always thought that was a cool part of these fantasy races, is that some live thousands of years, uh, so they interact differently. Yeah. I mean, there's just uh, so, so much cool stuff. Yeah, go ahead, Drew. You haven't gotten to say anything in a minute. Well, I was just going to say one thing also with this show, just from a production standpoint, that's been talked about a lot before it was even released was the budget, how much Amazon spent on this show. But I'll say, in my opinion, watching it, um, every dollar of that is shown on screen. I mean, it looks like, good. It, it all looks really good um there is a lot of cg in the show but i feel like the cg does look really good and any practical effects or location shots they do have been to me looks really pretty and amazon streaming service for me in the past has been hit and miss and i feel like this has looked really clear and good and maybe that's just my setup i don't know i i agree with you and i really like i've noticed that some of the sets are awesome Excellent. Uh, yeah. They've done a lot of great work on the sets, except for back to the halflings. Some of the stuff that the halflings are wearing and around their village just looks like fake plastic plants. Uh, there's a lot of fake-looking material in their camp. But other than the halflings, I think uh, you're right. Uh, it looks really good, and they did a lot of great attention to detail. Um, a lot with the elven weapons, right? And the elven clothes are super, super clean and, and intricate. Um, Armor and weapons are fire. For sure. As much as I liked the way the halflings look, like the acorns in the hair, some of them look like plastic acorns that you got from Hobby Lobby. Um, so, you know, there is that. Maybe that person has a nut allergy. Oh, the orcs, the orcs, the orcs, the orcs. That and literally scene. what I was about to jump into also. Love oh, them. Talk about that first scene with the orc. It was out of the good. Floorboards. It was good. I loved, like, the near... There was one orc. It was a near-death experience for two people. Uh, a single orc, you know, just kind of show... They, they started them off at this high level of badassery where they can one-on-one kill pretty much any person. Uh, and then, I mean, they luck out, she takes his head, and then they finally believe her, that kind of thing. Yeah, the orc was dope. Um, and the sword, I thought was really cool. That whole sword thing, uh, where he finds... The like more the 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 evil sword and he accidentally cuts himself and it drinks his blood and forms a blade out of fire and ash and stuff. That was dope. That was super dope. Although, thank, yeah, good. Thank I was going to say I loved that the orc that the first time you see them was shot like a horror scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really establishes a different kind of orc. Exactly. Um, yeah. These ones aren't cannon fodder, right? These ones can kill you and your kid. It was an extremely tense scene, and I was just going to say I, I'm I'm very happy that they, you know, are continuing the legacy from like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and that the orcs are all practical makeup and everything because they look so good. They look just like they did, you know, continuity wise from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and just every time that the orcs and goblins are on screen, I'm typically invested in the show. Yeah. So it looked to me like they elongated the torsos and the fangs with the orcs. And so they made them a little more gangly and a little more terrifying, but they did, like you said, they kept those same practical effects and a lot of the same tones and, and, and muscle. So it's something really familiar that they were able to just stretch a little bit and make it terrifying. In episode three, when all the elves are the slaves pit. that are building yeah. Yeah, trenches for more slave pits. Uh, to me, that's so that's so quintessentially orky, right? You're on the chain digging your own slave pit uh, where you're just watching everyone get abused all the way until you're in the clear, just working in the sun all day and night. It's horrible. Instantly. The orcs are terrible. They're terrifying. They have this subterranean complex that goes God only knows how far uh, they've got some kind of dark leadership. They're looking for that blade, I think. Yeah, what's his uh, name? Agar? Orcs... Something like that? Something like that. Yeah. It was... The orcs are just it, man. They're, they're it a hundred. Yeah, and, I, for... uh, I forgot about sunlight. that. 
allergy it was sick. Knocking down the tents over the slave pits and all of the orcs dropping the chains. And they're uh, all they're all sizzling. Yeah. yeah. I loved the use of the environment to fight the army of orcs. Yeah, I loved when they stuck the warg on them. Uh, that was pretty tense. And then the warg was kind of funny looking. Though. He was like, funny looking. He looked like he had like a little chihuahua. Chihuahua. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. He has like a little chihuahua mix in there. Yeah, it was. I, I looked at Annie and I was like, I wish it had more hyena. And then I watched it move around and I was like, you know what? I think I like it. it I, I think I liked hyena. it too. It was. <laughs> it was just. Chihuahua. It was just this mongrelly, shitty looking, malformed thing. It was great. Uh, and then, yeah, I forgot about the, the reveal at the end. They do show the, the Agar, or whatever his name is, at the end. But, like, it's blurry, but he doesn't look like an orc. Uh, he's a human, man. Yeah, he's a human Or Yeah, it's really cool hearing all this stuff uh, about, like, how the Southlands pledge their loyalty to the Morgoth. And their blood oath is... To, all that stuff is really cool. Uh, and then... At the end of the episode, when I finally started realizing what was happening, because I didn't realize what the plot was going to be here, even though I should have, uh, they're they're literally creating Mordor <laughs> right before <laughs> our eyes, and it was man when that was revealed to me, I was like, Pff, I was like, okay, I'm in, like this is it, I, I'm all in. And and one thing that I can appreciate because this is something I complained about a lot with uh, when we, when I was talking about Stranger Things season four is how you know. If you don't have anything for some characters to do, you don't have to show them. And I like that Rings of Power has already, you know, taken that advice in the sense that there were a lot of characters. Like, Elrond wasn't in the third episode at all, and all the storyline with him, um, which is fine for that to take a backseat. Which I'm under the impression that he's gone to the dwarves asking for help because they're wanting to build the forges where they'll actually create the rings? Is that what they're going to do? Yes. But they that's, haven't. That's he hasn't theory. mentioned the rings yet. All that's happened um, is he said, "I need to build these towers to forge something of great power." Um, yeah. So they need the dwarves' sense. help to build the world's biggest forge ever made. And so, yeah, like you said, he went to do it. We know he's doing it, and that's fine. We know what he's up to. We don't have to check back in with him yet. And it sounds like you know, not to get into the, all the details of the show because I don't feel like we have to go into every detail but i would love I guess, to though <laughs> i know i know i but i got the impression that casa doom was built pretty quickly by the dwarves like it seems like that's a pretty thriving place that maybe they put together pretty fast which just shows how fast the dwarves work and why they're necessary to create the forges is that is that the I right think the elves might have helped them start it and then in the 30 year span of elrod's absence they thrived i think that's yes. what happened uh, and then I'll say about the third episode, uh, as we mentioned, some of those storylines aren't featured here, which is fine. But the problem for me is that a big focus of this episode was everything going on in, I believe it's pronounced Numenor, which this is Galadriel's yes, storyline. Numenor. Which for me was the least interesting part of the whole episode, and it's where most of the focus was. And I know that Isildur is introduced as part of this storyline, which if you know Lord of the Rings lore and and the one ring everything he's a very key critical figure yes, very and important. i just kind of like he's titular his introduction here was like lackluster and <laughs> yes uh lackluster and just i don't know for such a big character he seemed almost unimportant and i know we have he to get did. to know him still but he did. It was so, kind of one of those things where I was starting to lose interest, or you know, wasn't paying close attention, and then I heard Isildur, and I'm like, yeah, oh, that's oh, I know that name. That's a huge name. I asked my mom. I was like, Mom, do you know who that is? She's like, No, I don't know. Uh, but if you don't know, First King of Men. He's the one that cuts the ring from uh, Sauron's hand. That's Isildur. Uh, he's the one that fails to throw it into the Mount Doom and starts the the events that lead us to the movies. Uh, blah blah blah. That's it's his fault essentially. But so yeah, I mean, before he becomes that guy, he's not really important until he does that. You know what I mean? His dad is, I think, the more important one because he is a king. I'm yeah, not sure. So his so his daddy is the king, and then 
the water levels will rise and that island will have yes. to be vacated and Isildur unites the humans and is the one to yeah cut the ring from Sauron. Yes. Yeah, uh, so I think he's also the grandfather of Aragorn. He is yeah, he is uh, uh Isildur's heir is Aragorn because so the uh, Numenor is also important because this is the home of the Dunedain. The Dunedain have the blood of the Eldars, so they are humans that can live to be hundreds of years old, much like Aragorn can. Aragorn, I believe in the movies, is... He's, 70 seems too young. I think he's like maybe a couple hundred years old already at that point. But yeah, uh, the Dunedain come from Numenor. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Lore, You're lore, making lore. up words at this point. I am not. I am not. Uh, but so one of the names I was curious if either of you recognize is uh, Celebrimbor. That is yes. a name you did recognize it. Okay, cool. Yes. He, for those of you who don't know, is the wraith that you cohabitate your body with in Shadow of Mordor. Uh, cool. Yeah, that's Celebrimbor, and in in that game you discover that he was. Uh, Integral in the forging of the rings, he was deceived uh, by Sauron uh, to create the One Ring. Blah blah blah. Like, it's really cool. I don't know, man. I it's got all the good stuff in it, and I love it, and I want it. I want to eat it and put it in my body. I also want to eat it and put it in my body. <laughs> so far, so good, man. Uh, the Rings of Power. To I me, seems that to be faithful. Galadriel was more arcane and less warrior. She is badass, so no complaints. I just in in my imagining of Galadriel, she was less warrior and much more mystic. Well, I think at some point during her journey, she becomes like a lesser god. Uh, so I think I mean, that's when that happens. But I don't really yeah, know. Maybe we'll see that journey. Maybe you're right. Um, and if that's the case, you know, that's fine. But we're only three episodes in, and I just... Uh, I'm kind of missing that that part of her, but we'll, fair. maybe we'll get there. It's fair. Yeah, she's very... I don't know, she's so young. It's funny, uh, relatively speaking. Um, and then, yeah, I forgot that scene in the tower with the troll was fire. You guys were talking about that earlier. I meant to say something. That was great. She saw a little troll, like, in seconds, because she's a badass. I wish there was a dwarf main character. Uh, I'm not sure if Balin is going to stay around or if he was just a plot device. Um, it doesn't seem like he's getting ready to go adventure, but maybe he will. Also, Balin is somebody's father uh, from The Hobbit. Balin? Just, uh, wait, which one's Balin? Balin is Elrond's friend. He's the prince. Prince Balin. Is his name Balin? I think so. Because they called him Durin. His name's Durin. Oh, Durin. Yeah. Durin. Yeah, the line of Durin is the the house that the dwarves from the Lonely Mountain hail from uh, in The Hobbit. Uh, what's his name? Oakenshield. Uh, Oakenshield is of the line of Durin. And as uh, the, the the Pale Orc is Thor, trying... Thorin Oakenshield. Thorin Oakenshield, yeah. Uh, the, the Pale Orc is trying to wipe out the blood of Durin. And at that point, Oakenshield is the last of it. So him and his family. Just FYI, that's who that... Durin is, like... I don't know, man. He's, like, up there with, like, Mordenkainen in friggin' uh, D&D. Like, he's, like, practically the progenitor of, like, modern dwarves. He's a big name. Looks like Durin... Durin, the current king of the Dwarven City is Durin the Third, and Durin the Fourth is the prince that was featured. That okay, cool. So he's not the actual mean during that makes sense because he did seem like, like it wasn't what i was expecting when i was like oh that's the the creator of like that's like the the main dwarf it's like they're adam essentially but yeah that's that's who that is well for a second because it sounds like you know just based on how how we're how much we're into this and despite varying levels of interest for the third episode or where we're at it sounds like we're still in the realm of you know, certifying this fresh out the box? Is that Absolutely. You know, fair to say? Yeah, I would say this is in the realm of freshness for sure. The only thing... And I think... My only complaint, the the, the kid that, that has the evil sword, right? So I, I've talked about this before on the podcast. He's kind of doing that thing I don't like 
where it's like, oh, I'm an evil kid. I'm a, I'm going to be a huge bitch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and yeah, I don't know. You I don't know, know how I feel I've about it. I've met people in my life that are huge bitches, though. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's it's a thing that exists, for sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe he just is one, you know? Yeah. It would take a real huge bitch to want to be, like, Sauron, you know? Yeah, that's true. Or so, a really cool guy. The only other thing that I think was worth talking about was kind of the elephant in the room, or should I say the dragon in the room uh, with all this, is that, you know, House of the Dragon is currently airing at the same time as this, so it's it's very easy to lump the shoe, the two shows against each other or, you know, try to pit them against each other. Uh, however, having seen now the first three episodes of The Rings of Power and having seen the first three three episodes of House of the Dragon I at this so. point, um, I think the two can coexist perfectly fine. Apples I mean, and oranges, man. Apples and oranges. They're, they're both fantasy, but Lord of the Rings is a different brand of high fantasy than what Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon are. Is that, so, I mean, is that fair? Certainly, and it always has been, right? Game of Thrones is the R-rated uh, political council uh, sex and murder version, and Lord of the Rings is the, uh, you know, dwarves, elves, orcs, your, your, your typical sort of high fantasy setting uh, that's not as far as Chronicles of Narnia. So, yeah, there, there's definitely space for them to both exist. Well, I think there's also space to compare them both. Uh, they came on, they're coming on at the same time. Uh, the target demographic is roughly the same audience. Uh, they came out the same month. They're literally week-to-week releases. No one released a whole season at once. Uh, so they, they are battling. They're not battling over anything because uh, I'm watching them both. I don't have to split my focus. Yeah, yeah, I'm watching them both. And they um, come on different days. I think, I think the difference for me is that I do kind of view House of the Dragon right now as appointment TV viewing, like... I will clear my Sunday evening at eight o'clock and sit down and watch it and, you know, put my phone on silent, put it away. I don't check it. And I watch the show. And I think, uh, I know the first two episodes of rings of power came out a Thursday evening. Did the third episode come out at the same time? No, Was that... it came out no. later, but it did come out Thursday evening. It just came out an hour or two after. Yes. So it came out, uh, we're in Houston. So it came out 11 our time. So I couldn't watch it the night of. I had to watch it Friday. Uh, Which I kind of forgot Friday, to be honest. Like, I forgot. Oh, and then I re- realized, and I, was, I thought, oh, I need to watch the third episode for the podcast. So I actually just watched it I was hella today. bummed. I was hella bummed. Yeah. But, yeah, um, it's just... House of the Dragon just has the advantage in the sense of... Even though it's a spinoff and it's its own thing, there's so much that has been set up in Game of Thrones that make House of the Dragon easy to watch because you already understand the world and the things in it, and these characters have been mentioned, or you just you have a good grasp of everything pretty early on. So well, I feel like I'm has I, all that same stuff though. It does, but I just feel like for some reason it's a little harder for me to get super super invested in it like i feel like there's still just a lot of setup but having said that our conversation here on the podcast today has kind of brought me back into rings of power like more so i I almost feel more positive on it after this conversation than i was going into it so So if i would have watched the first episode of game of thrones and then the first episode of ring of power i would have told you i like ring of power more and then after the second episode of both, I would have told you I like Ring of Power more. After the third episode of both, I would say Game of Thrones has got something. Uh, I like Game of Thrones more. Game of Thrones, uh, House of the Dragon. For House of the Dragon is nuts. Bl- it, it's mind-blowingly good. It is, I don't understand, wh- like, where this come from? Like, it's so good. The story's cool. Uh, the crab feeder was cool. The... What happened to the crab feeder was pretty baller. <laughs> that whole scene was bananas. Uh, I mean, you're right, guys. It is really nice to see new stories in established worlds and franchises that don't feel like a bunch of poo poo doo doo, <laughs> unlike a terrible new reskinned version of Pinocchio that's just complete dog shit. Yeah, see, you can still write good stuff. It's not over don't, yet. Don't but worry, Drew. Disney just doesn't don't worry, care. Drew. Disney is listening, and they're going to make a Mufasa prequel for you. Since you like prequels that mention other characters, they're going to—they're making a Lion King for you. 
do a different animal in a different place. I don't know what you're doing. We don't need Mufasa. What about, you know, uh, an Indian bagel tiger or something? I don't know. Now, let's use the same Skywalker family over and over and over <laughs> in this giant world. And then at the end of the movie detailing their saga, it'll be like, was she? I don't know. How does it work? <laughs> Disney. Disney, if you are listening. They are. You know, I'm, I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of your history and your past Give product. us money. But right now, just do better. You can do better. You yeah. can afford better. You can yeah. do better. I mean, I'm yeah. wearing a Kylo Red shirt right now, so bro, they didn't even pay Bill Hader to be in the movie, bro. bro they offered him a hundred thousand dollars. That's a slap in the face. <laughs> Apparently, so that's uh, <laughs> that's attributed to Matt Bellany and for Puck News, who wrote about that and the. And the apparently his investigation into the pay rates apparently disney animation has been paying a lot lower for a lot of its talent in his one of his recent articles he said that even andy samberg and john mulaney were paid super super small salary a small amount for doing the chippendale rescue rangers movie but the big reason why those two stars did that movie was as a favor to akiva schaefer who directed the movie who's you know longtime friend of Andy Samberg's obviously. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting, but yeah, it's uh, they they have yeah, all that's the a whole money. other can of worms. Stop lowballing people. What are you doing? But yeah, um, man, that was fun. Yeah, that was that was great. Did and you then, get all the rants out your pants, Drew? I think so. I feel I feel good about it now, guys. I was feeling still kind of heated and down going into this. No, I feel good. You were distraught when we started. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's it for this week. Uh, some D23. Uh, let us know what you think on Twitter. Uh, hashtag rants in your pants. Yeah. Hashtag Pinocchio22 at Drew Munhausen. <laughs> yeah, do that one. Either way, I don't care. Let us know what you think. Um, oh yeah, I guess one more piece of business we should probably get to. While it's still fresh, I do believe we did, speaking of Marvel, uh, we did a draft, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, do you guys remember that? I, I don't do. want to talk about this. And I think you rigged the people voted. <laughs> people I, voted. I took it to the internet, and and uh, yeah, we have a winner. Uh, it was not an ambiguous win either. It was me. I win. So I lost. You want, you want a cookie or something? Drew is just so upset. I can't even like I be have, happy with my victory. I've had. Tons of people, tons of people approach me, walk up to me on the street, and they said, Drew, I would have voted for you, but the polls were already closed when oh, I no. tried to go vote. Wow. You know what they said to me? Should uh, we redo said, the vote? <laughs> they said, you have the worst Marvel lineup, and then they evicted me from my house, and I got fired from my job. So I'm glad <laughs> things have been so hard for you, Drew. Uh, but yeah, so I'm the preliminary winner. Uh, of the We've got draft, some good feedback. So. We might have to do some more drafts like that. Yeah, I, I like the draft a lot. I don't know what it is, but on TikTok, I've been seeing people doing all kinds of drafts. Like, I saw someone doing cereal. I saw people doing, uh, like, video. I don't know, man. It it's was fantasy weird. football season. Oh, is that what it is? People need their yeah. to get their itch scratched? Mm-hmm. Oh, my dad can beat up your dad. All right. It's me. <laughs> it's me, Casualty CDG. And I'll see you on the next episode of Fresh Out the Podcast. And I am Drew Munhausen, at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. And thank you so much for joining us on episode 62 of Fresh Out the Podcast. I was Jahan Anand, I think. Uh, bye. Stay fresh. <laughs>